Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Um, I'm Ian Cheeseman and as ever this is a podcast dedicated to all things Manchester City. It's a football podcast as well. You're very welcome if you're just joining us for the first time. And unlike most weeks when we record on Zoom, which is obviously the new way that people communicate when they're not face-to-face, today we're recording this one uh, straight after the Crystal Palace draw. It felt like a defeat, but it was a draw, 2-2 at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, And a little bit later on, uh, you're going to meet a journalist called Fred Caldera, who is a... A reporter for ESPN in Brazil, but he's also a Fluminense fan. And of course, it's possible that City could play the Brazilian team Fluminense in the final of the Club World Cup, which is taking place in Saudi Arabia in the next few days after the City Crystal Palace game. So you'll hear about his perspective because he's a Fluminense fan. He was over there when they beat Boca Juniors in the, uh, effectively, what is the uh, Champions League of South America so he has a great insight but interestingly also covers City so he sees a lot of Manchester City so a really interesting insight so before we get into that I'm going to talk to two or three people here some of the regulars like Toby and Harlan and also um, a young man called Sam who's going to join us and I've also been speaking briefly to Joe Corrigan and Peter Barnes about the Club World Cup so you'll hear that a little bit later on as well and I have to say big shout out to AMAR Development UK who are the sponsors of the podcast if you've ever been on near Manchester on the M16 you see the pyramid near Stockport they've just bought that as an event centre and a restaurant I'm sure it's fabulous Um, and and also um, they're helping me uh, through their sponsorship get out to Saudi Arabia next week so I'm very appreciative of that as well so let's get into it City have just as we're recording this, lost. See, it's in my head that they've lost. They drew with Crystal Palace at home. Toby, you're one of the regulars. You're part of the Forever Blue team. And sometimes when you talk to people just after the game, they're more emotional. I know that when I do the vlog with people. So are you more emotional? Are you, are you, just tell us how you're feeling. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating result. And just like you said it there, you've got it in the head, your head that it's a loss. Um, not a draw. We got a point out of it. But every draw in title races with Liverpool, with even Arsenal, has felt like a loss. You know, those you've got to pick up those points. And today was, was three points secured at sort of 60 minutes and then we we started becoming complacent and we've only got ourselves to blame really that first half we were dominant we looked like we were controlling the game we got the goal you know we, we could have been two or three up at half time I think obviously a bit unlucky I haven't seen the the, that's the disadvantage of doing it straight after is that I haven't really seen any of the decisions or the the offsides um, but we, we could have been free and clear by half time so to get the second goal to start the second half and be be happy with that that's fantastic but then after that we just switched off and we've noticed it before in title races where City have have gone 2-0 up in a game and just thought that was it let's just go into our shell and not and not try and kill it off and get the third and it's bitten us rarely in the past but when we're playing like this at the moment and when our defence has been like it has over the last few weeks it's it's very difficult um, to take results like that because we, we can't we can't be shutting down a game at two 0 thinking it's over when we put when our defence is so poor um, as we've as we've proved today. Um, I haven't personally seen the decision. Um, I think a lot of fans will be talking about that. I'm obviously sit on the other side of the I sit in the Colin Bell stand, so I didn't see it. I could, obviously it was the other end of the pitch. Um, 
to me, it looked like Bernardo was fouled in the build-up. I don't know whether then Foden fouled whoever it was that went. I just didn't see. I was too far away to see who went down in the box. Um, so I don't know, but it felt it didn't feel like a penalty. It felt like there was a, a foul in the build-up, and I think a lot of fans are going to start getting very frustrated about the referees. I think that's four games now where we've had ill, Ill judgment, and you know, last week it was the red card on Phil Foden, which I think was a stonewall red. It was completely reckless. We've had the Tottenham, which the Tottenham one, which would Jack Grealish keep clean through, whether he scores or not, not the point. Um, and that was that again. Fans were angry about that, and then the one at Liverpool against Liverpool, when we should have been two 0 up again, disallowed wrongly in my opinion. But in each of those games, obviously Luton we won, but Liverpool, Tottenham, and today we only have ourselves to blame for dropping the points um, because we could have killed the game off in all of those games. We had the chances, we had the the, the moments where we had we could we could have killed the game and be free and clear, and we didn't. So yes, the decisions have gone against us, but in some ways we only have ourselves to blame. You're spot on. I mean, obviously today there were some very long VAR deliberations and I hate VAR. I've never hidden away from that. But when City have been winning in the past, in previous seasons, by two and three goal margins, all right, the VAR length of time that it takes to resolve a problem would still frustrate me, but the ultimate outcome didn't really matter, did it? And now when you're in tighter games and City aren't killing teams off, as you've said... These decisions are even more frustrating. They, yeah. they weren't crucial before, were they? So why is it? I mean, is it the absence of Haaland today? Obviously, he's a prolific goal scorer. But the other side of the argument is we still scored. City still scored two goals. The problem was conceding two. Well, so what's the problem? Well, that's just it, conceding two. As I said, we've done this in title races before. We've gone two goals in front and been complacent, maybe conceded one, but won the game. Um, I'll always remember there was a Burnley game a couple of years ago. We went two and up and just, and just sat back, and it was like, go and get the third, go and get the killer, because they looked like they were going to get one back. So it's, it's very frustrating. So I, d- I don't think it's the attack. As you say, we scored two goals, and we looked like we could have scored more. Um, and we're creating the chances. We're just not finishing. But where the problem lies is the defence. And... It's difficult. Diaz is not having a good season as much as we love him, as much as he's been been amazing over the past few years. He is not having a good season. I I can't understand for the life of me why he's playing Josco Guardiol, one of the most hyped-up young centre-backs in the world when we signed him. Big fee, and he's playing him at left-back. I just cannot, I can't, I can't understand it. And You know, I'm not questioning Pep. He's he's won so much and he's achieved so much, but I have to sit here and go, why is he playing in a position that he's clearly not getting used to, a position he clearly feels uncomfortable in, where he's making mistakes, and yes, you have to go right, you need to adapt, but also, it's not his position. So... I just, I, I can't, when we lost Cancelo in the middle of the season, I get it, middle of the season, it's hard to go and sign up, but then why didn't we go to the market in the summer? We went to the market, we bought players like Kovacic and Mateus Nunes who aren't having an impact on the team, where if we could have gone and bought a left-back who is going to have an impact on the team. I, I just, I don't quite understand that. I, I, you know, I, I get all the, the inverted full-backs and, you know, he's played Nathan at, at, at left-back and he switched it all around stones in, in midfield, which has worked out amazing. But that, that, I just can't get why we haven't gone and got a left-back and secured that defence up because how, I, don't, I don't get how we've gone from having the best defence in the world in every competition, which it was last season, to having potentially one of the worst defences, the most leaky defences, especially in the last sort of four or five weeks. That's quite a, a speech, really, by Toby, isn't it, Sam? I mean, you've been listening to that. And the great thing about doing this straight after the game is that everybody's full of adrenaline, and especially when you conceded right near the end. You all stood there, hood up, hands in pockets, quite calm. Are you feeling the same way as Toby? Are you a bit more 
circumspect in the way you're looking at it? Yeah, no, I have to agree with him, if I'm honest with you. Like, Welcome to the podcast, yeah, by the way. Thank you very much, Ian. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I have, to agree, yeah, I have to agree with him because, like, I mean, I feel like the past, you know, two or three draws we've had have felt like losses. Like, you say it straight after the game, like, it feels like a loss. But And you were talking about how we always get these refereeing decisions, like, but... I think we only, you know, in some of them games, we just need the second goal, like Liverpool, uh, Tottenham, and who was the other draw before? Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know it was 4-4, but like, you know, if you say to me before the game, you go to Stamford Bridge and you're going to score four goals, you'd expect what? A win, exactly. So, I, you know, and we sat there just baffled at the fact that we've, we've conceded this many uh, goals, uh, especially this season. Like, um, but what, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but when I, I've written a column recently, and 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 you know that Pep is obsessed with his midfielders. If he could, he'd have eleven midfielders, I'm sure. Yeah, and, sure. and I know a lot of people look at Edison and think he could play midfield. Is the problem midfield, or is it the defence? I think it's a bit of both worlds, if I'm honest with you, because we play inverted fullbacks, and we've got John in the midfield. I mean, when we lined up against Villa, I understand that. You know, we had Rodri out and Kevin's injured and, and they're our main two. Um, but we've, we started with, with six defenders and both of them, like... I mean, Rico today, I think Rico played very well today, especially in the first half. Like, he even got a goal. Um, and I was ready to come talk about it a lot on here because, like, I think he was phenomenal today. But, you know, when... I mean, who am I to argue with Pep Guardiola, if I'm honest with you? But, like... I don't. I don't think it's the midfield because we've got the caliber of player. Like we have Kovacic and we do have Nunes. I'm not the ma- the biggest fan of Nunes, but like you know, you need to give these players time to to glue into the team. And they've had a, a number of weeks in training, and I feel like this, sh- you know, should be stepping up. Even Calvin Phillips completely forgot about him. I mean, he played um, pretty well against Red Star uh, midweek, but you know, when when we have these players out like Rodri. Like I'm pretty sure there's a stat in there. We haven't Rod, Rod, ever since Rodri's been out, we've lost like four games or something four, like that. Yeah, the something games we like that. This season, uh, and whenever he's in, we've we've not lost in like 45 games when he's been in. But we need players like Calvin Phillips or, or Kovacic or Nunes, any of them really, to to step up. So, but I don't, I, I genuinely don't think it's the midfield uh, because he was on about um, getting in there. Toby, sorry, Toby was on about getting a. Um, a left back in in the transfer window, and um, you know I, I, I remember seeing you know tweets and stuff on an Instagram post about getting like Theo Hernandez and stuff like that. But Pep's obsessed with getting, playing him inverted fullbacks, and now we're playing Gavardial a centre back, um, and even Nathan a centre back at Bournemouth in in on as fullbacks. And I I can't I mean I you know they play very well, but especially last season. But this season I just I can't. For the life of me, explain what it is or what the problem is. I feel like let me let me throw this question in. It might be completely irrelevant, but City are playing in the World Club Cup, the Club World Cup next week. Stones started on the bench today, came on late, and I know people both on the vlog and here now, you two are saying that that should have happened a little earlier. I'm not sure how near Erling Haaland was to playing, but there's a little bit in the back of my mind wondering whether Stones has been saved. Erling Haaland at a push might have been able to play. I might be completely wrong. So the question really is, is the half a mind on the Club World Cup? And did they take their eye off how important today was? 
Yeah, potentially. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's a difficult one. We've we've talked about this on the podcast so many times. It does, how does Pep think? How many games does Pep think in advance? Does he just think about the next game? Does he think, all right, we've got this game in 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 two weeks and and whatever? It's, oh, it's 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 really tough one. You shouldn't save players, really. You should think about them. In my opinion, you should think about the next game. That's your biggest. That's your biggest. Um, that's your biggest thing. The next game that's coming along. Uh, you can't rest on what what's gone. Um, the Premier League for us. We're now. We, I mean, if Liverpool win tomorrow, we'll, we'll be six points behind them. If Liverpool was to beat Manchester United tomorrow, and that's highly likely. So, so you're more worried about them than Arsenal or Villa? Yeah, completely. We've, 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 we've proven that. Villa, Villa are, don't get me wrong, Villa are incredible and there's no disrespect and they deserve to beat us um, in, on a few weeks ago on Wednesday. Um, they were incredible, but I can't see the longevity. I can't see that they'll last the season. I don't think they're, they're in a tight race at the moment. Will they be by May? I, I doubt it, but please, if, I, if I'm wrong, if they win the title, I'll put my hands up and, and admit that. But Arsenal, they look good. Again, do I reckon they can they can last as long? No. Liverpool, they're the ones we've gone we've gone to the last game twice with them over the last few years under the Pep era, on down to the last game and won. And we know they can push us all the way. And I look at it and I've always said, if you want to win the Premier League, you've got against us, you've got to get 90 plus points because that's what we'll get. Right, okay. Let me interrupt you there. Go on. Are City gonna get 90 now, that's plus what points? I, was literally, I was literally about to say. <laughs> I don't think we're going to now. I don't. I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll get ninety points, which and means everybody, will everybody, fill the void. Will, everybody will say second, and everybody is saying. Mm. Just watch the vlog. Uh, you know, pe- there are people who are saying second half of the season will come good. We'll go on one of them fifteen oh, game win yeah. runs. Yeah. But at the moment, I've, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I don't see a fifteen game winning streak coming e- from City. Even if we do, though, if we're too far behind, you know, you look at. I mean, we were talking about this the other day, and this was before the, the last few results. Um, if you look at if you look at where we are now compared to where we were at this point last season, it's not as good. And if we are, you know, if we were eight points in it with in March, then it's potential because we've we've done it before. But if it's ten or twelve or fifteen points, yes, we could go and win every game. But so could Liverpool because Liverpool have proved they can go on those long those long t- those long winning runs. And as I say, I, I can't see us getting ninety plus points at the moment. Can I see Liverpool? Probably. They've got they're playing Europa League football which is not as high calibre as the Champions League, which we will be wanting to defend. So, of course, they're going to be, they're going to be up for it a bit more. They might even, they're playing Arsenal in the, in the FA Cup and they might get knocked out of that. And then what happens? They're in two competitions and they've got less games to play in the, in the lower division of the, of, the, um, Euro, of the European competition, the Europa League, playing lesser teams than we are every week. So you have to look at it and go, well, if we're 15 points behind by March, is it going to happen? This feels to me, and I don't want to be overly dramatic here, so correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but this feels like a little bit of a watershed game. If this had been in isolation, City drawing with Crystal Palace, then everybody would have said it's just one of them days, it's just a blip, players missing. But this is coming off the... So if I'm not mistaken, this is three draws, a defeat, a win, and now another draw. So that's been the sequence. So there's only been one win in six in the league. And it does feel to me as if there's a there's a little bit more to this. Yes, it was a a loss of concentration or whatever it was near the end, but there's more to it than this. Are you are you worried as a City fan, or do you, do you just become philosophical and think, well, you know, we've had a good run and maybe it's somebody else's time? Where are you in your head? Because you're a young lad, aren't you? I mean, I'm very very superstitious all the time with City. <laughs> I mean, I've got my lucky socks on as we speak, and you know, it's not really helped. It's not really helped today, but. 
Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like, we do shy these sorts of games away, like a, a lot of the time, and I don't understand why. Because it's just, it's, it is. You're right. It is right before the Club World Cup, and we do in Pep's head. I mean, every City fan wants to win the competition. I'm, I even think that we'll, you know, think less of the teams in it um, uh, in the competition because they're not, you know, in Europe and stuff like that. But um, we do. I mean. Cl- We've seen past few uh, past few years anyway that Crystal Palace is a sort of bogey team for us as well, and uh, yeah, especially at home. Um, but I, for the life of me, I can't explain why we you know shy these games away when we've we've just only just as well beat Luton away, and it is a tough ground to go to. But we win two one, uh, and in, uh, what was the sc- score half time? It was one nil, wasn't it? One nil. Yeah. See, see. And we go, we, we come out in the second half, we get a second goal, you know, and they think, oh, we've won it, we've, we've won it. But, and I, I mean, in the ground as well, you, could, you, can, you can hear it, or, you know, we're, we're buzzing. I, I mean, I sit in South Stand, tier one, so, and you can hear it around the ground, like, and then, but when we concede one goal, it, come, it becomes a very, very difficult, you know, and hostile sort of environment, because we don't want to... We don't want to concede another and for um your facial expression tells me you're a little bit bewildered yeah. i know there was a little truck going past yeah. but and that's how i felt that as the game went along at 2-0 i turned to somebody and said this is just comfortable yeah. and, and i could not see that coming against liverpool against villa in other games i've sort of thought something would go wrong here i never yeah. thought today it could go wrong no i mean that's what I- Everyone was thinking it at two 0 We think, oh yeah, it's this is you know. We, I mean, I thought the first half. I thought we played defensively. I thought we played pretty well, if I'm honest with you. And I thought, you know, I'll come on here and say, oh, business as usual, back That's to normal, exactly back to normal city, thought, yeah. back to normal city. And then we go and concede the one, which I mean, the build-up was. It was a good goal, but the second, oh, it's it's a very very difficult goal to take because it's a penalty in the ninety what second third minute, and it's a silly. It was I mean, it was right behind um, behind the goal. You could see Phil. He'd gone to clear it, and he just absolutely. I think he smacked his shin, but it was a definite penalty. I've not I've not seen. You said there was a foul in the build up possibly. Foul, I've yeah. not seen that at all, but. I certainly expected that you're talking about the penalty now that they that got them the draw. I saw lots of little things happening, and having watched four minutes of VAR, um, you know, considerations when Jack Grealish scored, I thought it's going to be about ten minutes here where they're yeah. going to look at all these little bits, and it was over quick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was over really quickly. I mean, the Jack and. Um I think it was Rico as well. No, we scored a second, and um, it was offside. And and you know, they, these off uh, sorry these uh, VAR decisions and like looking at them. I understand they want to get the right decision, but like you can never tell how long it's going to be. And like you said, there was I, mean, I think it was what was it four minutes at the end as well. Um, you know, I can't I can't understand why there was four when you know we we had an. Um, the VAR decision going on for about two or three minutes in itself. Like I'm sat in the ground thinking to myself, oh, "We're going to have nine minutes here because we normally do." And I mean, even after the penalty, I thought, you know, the VAR uh, decision was over pretty quickly. Uh, so they probably didn't go back to look at that uh, Bernardo chance. I mean, it, they possibly did, and it probably, you know, it could have been couldn't have been a foul. But 
Um, I'll have to look at that when I get back. Um, I just, I'm baffled. I can't understand. Trust me, trust me, Sam. I'm as baffled as you are. I know Toby's got to get off in a minute or two. Um, So I want to ask you a question before you go about the World Club Cup. Now, people listening to this podcast will in a few moments hear Joe Corrigan and Peter Barnes, two former players, talking about it and at the uh, risk of foreshadowing and spoiling what they're going to say, basically, they're not fans of it and they think it's a bit of a waste of time. What do you think? You're a younger fan. I know I milked that, but you're a younger fan. Do you take this seriously? Do you think, oh, wow, can't wait for this? Or do you think, what well, don't really could do without this? I think it's a show of winning the Champions League. You know, we, we, talk, we talk about competitions. We talk about competitions like the Community Shield, like the Super Cup, and we go, uh, do, we, do we, you know, these, these are games you win things to get into. So are, is it a real, do we, if we sat here at the end of the season and went, this season we've won a Super Cup and we won the Club World Cup, but nothing else... Are we going to be going? Okay, yeah, that's that's a great season. Um, I, well, what, I don't. What would well, that, you that's think? That's what that's what I'm saying. I I I can't. I'm going to sit on the fence here a bit. But I, I just don't like you. Yeah, I I just I don't I don't get how because I'm trying not to sound like a spoiled city fan here because I've seen, I mean both me and Sam we're young fans we've we've seen we've seen the best times. My dad, you Ian, my my dad, you know, seen the times of, of you know, the 1999 um, playoff final. You know, Nicky <laughs> Weaver and all that. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I don't want to sound like oh, if we don't win a trophy, it's poor, it's it's rubbish. It's not. We've won the treble. It's incredible. But we can't rest on that. We can't sit on that every season. So if I sat there at the end of the season and went, we've won the Club World Cup and we've won the Super Cup. By the way, we haven't even won the Club World Cup yet, so we might not even win it. But if that was to be the case, would I sit there and go, that's a successful se- successful season, something we can be proud of as a team as a team we are and what we've won already probably not win or lose the club world cup yeah are you glad they're in it are you does it oh. bother do you that for the next 10 day well next week they're away no brentford game everybody gets the chance to play an extra game or does yeah. that not really bother you look as a, if i was a cynical fan i'd sit here and go yeah okay uh, we miss a game we give liverpool as i said in the vlog we give liverpool the opportunity to go even further ahead of us after that um, and even though we have a game in hand it's still not ideal to have a team it's the psychological side when our, when our psychology is obviously suffering already uh, but it's again I'm, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here because it's, it's, it's a nice it's almost a show we've won the Champions League and I think the fans should enjoy it because it's something that we've relished and we've wanted to win for so so long so to be in it is a show that we've gone and done the one thing that felt like the impossible um, so I am glad that we're in it I'm not going to be glad when it turns into a 32 team tournament and the players get absolutely rinsed when they should be having a break and then they come back the season after and get loads of injuries because they haven't had a break that will be when it's, that will be when it's, it's wrong for me and and also it takes the the football as i said in the vlog as well it takes the football away from the fans less fans will be able to afford it you know fans who've been like yourself who've been going to every single game for years upon years upon years that will most likely stop for a lot of people because they won't be able to afford it and who could unless you're earning millions who could yeah i don't think i'll be going to america that's for sure so i know you've got a long journey back um so make sure you give me my phone back before you go but Sobey, thank you. No worries. Have a good Christmas. Thank Thanks you, for all you your too. contributions. No worries. And I'm pretty sure from what you've said to me that when the draw is made for the Champions League last 16, yep. which is on Monday, 
uh, I'll be en route to Saudi yeah. and you're going to do a little assessment I'll for us, little, aren't you? I'll do a little uh, a little review of it for you, yeah. Um, so look out for that on the YouTube channel. On the little YouTube shorts, yeah. Uh, there's a few teams we can. I mean, we can end up with PSG. I think there's, Inter- there's a few um, Italian teams, Inter Milan, Napoli. Um, PSV. Yeah, PSV, that's one Copenhagen. I've said to you, I think we'll get Copenhagen. Um, and we've got some history with all those teams. So let's let's see. I'm looking forward to it. Well, enjoy it, whatever it is. And thanks very much, Toby. Sam, you're staying with us for a little while and hopefully Harlan's going to come and join us in a second. So let me ask you then about the uh, the World Club or the Club World Cup. Yeah. Uh, do you see it as a bit of an annoyance now? You've just been watching City draw it on to Crystal Palace. If it, Me, personally, I've got to say that I wish City were playing in a league game again in three or four days to shake that off and bounce back. I'm looking forward to the trip to Saudi, don't get me wrong, and I hope they win the Club World Cup, but you as a fan is not going. Do you wish that, that there was another league game? Is, it, is this an annoyance, or are you dead proud of the fact that City are in the Club World Cup? Um, well, just like Toby said, I'm, you know, I'm really proud of us getting into the, to the competition. I mean, we have to win the Champions League to get into it, to qualify, and it's obviously the Champions League is probably... I mean, I know a lot of older City fans would probably prefer the Premier League, but a lot of the younger City fans like myself and just the younger generation in, in, in itself will respect and think the Champions League is probably the better trophy. And you do, I mean, even winning the Super Cup, that felt that felt like another, like something that we've just felt like impossible, like Toby said. So, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kick my feet up and hopefully we will, we'll win it. And I'm, like I said, I'm very proud of us being in it and I, I really do hope we win. Um, but like you say, it would be a good, you know, thing to have just before Christmas, um, uh, the Brentford game on. Obviously, Toby was saying that we, we now have a game in hand um, against the other teams but we don't want to be relying on Liverpool you know or Arsenal in fact um, to, to lose the games um, we want to you know be in control and I think towards the start of the season I mean we started very well but I think it was five out of five games um, but like we, we come up to you know 15 points in the season thinking oh we're cruising it we've, we've never really started in the, well in the past sort of five since Pep sort of thing we never really start very well and a lot of City fans will be like um, oh we'll, we'll come we'll come back towards the end but like Toby said earlier if we're you know sort of 15 points behind even if we do have games in hand it's going to be really difficult mentally as well for the players that you know to get back into pole position and I, I We've drawn now. I can't. I, I don't know what position that puts us in now. I think we're, well, we're still, still fourth. I think still but, fourth. But, but the but point is, it depends on what the other teams do. So it might not be terminal, but the, the bigger picture really is this sequence of four draws, a defeat, and a win in, in six games in the league. I mean, that's not typical City, is it? Not anymore. No, no. Especially for me. I mean, like I say, I've been growing up with City winning, so you know, I don't know any different and I hate Pep for, <laughs> for putting me in the position where if we don't have the ball, I'm angry <laughs> because we always play possession. Um, but no, um, be it, obviously like going back to the fact that we're in the competition, I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, but it, it, it does suck because the players are going to be drained. I mean, it's especially coming off the back of a draw like, and expect, like the past five games have not been well, especially for us, like, you know, coming off the back of last season you would not expect us to be conceding I think it's now 15 maybe goals in five games which is I don't, I mean, I don't even remember us conceding 15 goals last season if I'm honest so you know it, it coming going especially going to Saudi to win um, 
the Club World Cup, it's not ideal. And it's, like I said, catching up with Liverpool or Arsenal, in fact, whoever's above us, even Villa, like you said earlier, if there's a possibility of them winning the league, um, we, we are going to have to catch up and win these games. Like, they are very important. And I, I think we've got Everton on just the day after I was going to ask you about game. that. I mean, basically, the next league game is Everton. In between times is the Club World Cup. And it seems like million miles away at the moment I've got to admit 27th of December and Everton have been playing well so given the sequence that City as results have been on let's miss out the Club World Cup for a minute although Mm. there'll be an easy excuse while they've been away and and all the rest of it does the Everton game now worry you? I think it does if I'm honest because like like you just said the the run of games has been really difficult for us like we played a really really good Villa side probably the best they've been in years you know a back on top Liverpool side that's just not easy to play against and a Chelsea side I mean we got pretty unlucky against Chelsea but you know it's not easy to take these results and if we go to Everton like like you said they've been playing really well and they've been deducted 10 points by the Premier League and they'll want to win especially against us the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable especially for the Everton fans they'll probably have a protest about the Premier League before the game and you know hold up their corrupt against us yeah exactly (laughs) and um, it is a like the teams the, the run of games we've had is not you know easy to take but you, you can't really complain about the games that you've got you've just got to take them one by one at a time and it's not ideal but they are going to be very up for it and you know I'd, it's Goodison Park's like a really difficult ground to go to as well so I mean I wouldn't expect to win but especially with the form we're on but you know, we'll see how we're playing. You know, you said shy away from the Club World Cup, but I'll see how, how we play in the and line up in the Club World Cup to, to then go and line up against Everton and see how we play. Harlan's joined us yep. now. Harlan's a regular on the podcast and he'll have seen pre-season on the vlog as well. Uh, we've been talking with Sam and, and yep. Toby about today's game and we've come full circle now and ended it with Everton. But from your point of view, what was your view on the, the t- today's performance? You were cautious before the game when we did the match day vlog the video yep. channel because of the relationship with Crystal Palace and the results in the past but I always believe that what's gone is gone mm. I, I get why people are a little bit superstitious and Sam's wearing his lucky socks and you know I wear me lucky whatever you know but uh, which we won't go into but the, but the point is that despite all those superstitions every time you play a team it's it's a new game you can't mm. that's not a reason to slip up today is it no I think Regarding superstitions, Ian, I think rather than it just being, you know, Crystal Palace, we've lost to them before around Christmas time, which which I kind of made a not a tongue in joke, uh, tongue in cheek joke to before the game, but it genuinely is this time of year against sides like this that that will sit deep, they will be resolute, but that can counter at a rapid pace, which we've fallen victim to yet again. They had five men at the back and then four in front. But what I would say is that for... This is why, you, obviously, you weren't here when Sam and, and Toby were speaking, but I'm fearful that when City play teams who can counter-attack quickly, like Tottenham with Son or whatever, um, that were vulnerable. For 80 minutes, I didn't really see that from Crystal Palace. It was only really in the last 10 or 15 minutes that they even came out of the shell. So how mm. does that happen? I think it's well. It's more about it's more about capitalising on your losses of possession in key areas and key areas where you shouldn't turn the ball over. Key areas where they know that when they win it back, they can transition really quickly. But they're getting tired then, City. Yeah, I think so. But then Roy Hodgson's noticed that, and you've got to give Ray Lewington his assistant credit. They've worked together for a long time. They know how each other think. They know how each other work. 
they know what players they've got. It's quite apt, really, that, that I mentioned this, obviously. Jess wanted to go and meet Roy Hodgson before the game. So obviously she's half. My other half, Jess. She's gone down to meet Roy. We've, and, I'm, and I'm looking at the way Roy's sat there as his, as his team come out of the tunnel. And he's smiling and he's looking at his players and he's looking at his squad. He hasn't spent millions of pounds on it. We have spent millions of pounds on ours, but we're not going to go into the money side of things. We, we've spent our money well. What he's done is he's recruited you know, players alongside what he already had at the club before Patrick Vieira took, 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 took the role on. And he seemed really proud of his players because he knows what he's going to get from each one of them when he asks them to go and do something. He sent quicker, stronger and more athletic players on as the game wore on, as he could see that we were starting to falter a bit. And it ended up being the cause for the second goal, i.e. penalty, but it created the opportunity for Elise to step up and equalise for Roy Hodgson's side. So you've got to say it's a bit of masterstroke from Roy. And all the words masterstroke get get kind of given out to every Tom, Dick and Harry nowadays. Um, that's Tom, Dick and Harry Redknapp, of course. But <laughs> I think, you know, that is a masterstroke. And he has, he has identified the key areas that he can affect the game. We've conceded a really sloppy goal again from the right-hand side that's come across. Unfortunately for Nathan Ake, he's the man that's probably going to end up with the blame lay on him because he was the furthest man back. But you've got to look at where that ball has come from and how it's got to that point. Where was well, Edison? Sam, Sam made the point as well about Gavardiol, or was it Toby? One of the two of you made about Gavardiol being actually a very good centre-back but playing at left-back. Is that a problem, the fact that you've got Ake <coughs> and Gavardiol both on that left-hand side and neither one of them, by the true definition of a full-back, is a full-back, are they? It is, it is a problem because they're both left-footed centre-halves and they both identify danger the same way and they think similarly from what I've seen from them both. You know, they're very, very, very capable of getting to the problem. And, and, and identifying the area that they need to be in at a certain time. But the problem is, if you're, if you're Nathan Ake and you spot danger on the left-hand side and you go across to support Josko Gvardio, you leave space behind you then for the opposition, you know, central midfielders even, to, 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 to go into, you know, those, those pockets, as they're often referred to. You know, the half spaces that players like your, your Eze's like to exploit, albeit it wasn't on the pitch for, for them moments today. But... But over the course of the season, you've noticed that Gvardiol and Ake try to do the same job. And Gvardiol tries to play as a centre-half out there on the left. The only problem is here, when you scan the pitch as a centre-half, you've got the right and left channels to, to, to play into. As a centre-half, playing left-back or left-wing-back, because he does like to bomb on and he, he's capable of playing balls in advanced areas like John Stones is. But he's got a touchline next to him now. He's not got that opportunity to play into wide areas because he is the wide area. He's the wide area occupying player. So I think he really struggles with that. Um, but I do, I, do seem yeah. particularly vulnerable down that side as well, don't they? I mean, I know Jack Grealish played more centrally today and scored a goal, but he generally is on that side. And I, I do feel that City are quite weak on that side. I don't... I, I, you, you probably know better than me, Harlan, because I know you study these yeah. things very closely yeah. as to whether City concede more goals because of approaches that come down that side of the field rather than the right where Kyle Walker is. But then again, there's one or two saying to me that Kyle Walker's not, not playing as well as he has done. So, I don't know, it's a complex one. What do you think? Well, if you look at the last two weeks, you look at where the cross came from. Last weekend against Luton Town, Andros Townsend right-hand side. Far too much time on the ball, far too much space to pick out the back post. And I wouldn't say picked out uh, Adebejo, but what I would say is he, he, he put it in an area that he knew that player could attack. Edison was caught in no man's land. Uh, I think if I'm right, it was Diaz as well that was a bit flappy regarding that one. 
and it was a pretty easy header in the end. Uh, a lot of times this season we've conceded down that left-hand side and I do genuinely believe it is because, yet again, the club have got that, that recruitment wrong on that, on that left-hand side again. You know, we let Zinchenko go to a title rival. We brought in... Sergio Gomez, who's a left back, but then plays on the right wing for Spain in the 21s level and did very well playing as a winger. Um, but we're not seeing even that happening. So the fact that, that, that young Mika starts midweek and Sergio Gomez doesn't start on the right wing where he starts for his country's youth team, has, it's got to be sending warning signs and Fair bells to him that. because Fair he's looking that. at it thinking... But, but but surely then, if you're looking for someone to step into the right wing position and play as a bit of a hybrid and have a dig in the Champions League, dead rubber, surely I'm your man. But no, Mika comes in and plays there. Going back to the left-back situation, Sergio Gomez, brought from Anderlecht, who was fl- you know flourishing and thriving and enjoying his football, is no longer enjoying his football. Probably loves training, but he's not playing games here. And then you're watching Josco struggle a tiny bit with that lack of space down the left, wanting to be a centre-half. A few too many things are being tinkered with for me at the moment, and that's why things aren't quite ticking along as they should. Let's let's box that game off now. Let me ask you, because I've obviously asked Sam about this, about the uh, the Club World Cup that's coming up. But just before you give me your views on that, I've been speaking to Joe Corrigan, who you'll hear first, and also Peter Barnes, two former City players, who I think it's fair to say are not fans of the Club World Cup. Tell us what you think about the World Club Cup and how important that is to City. I think it's very important to City, but I think it's a, a massive, massive, um, what's the word, um, disruption for the club. Oh, yeah, because you, 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 you season's your season we, and you, you don't need this kind of interruption to... You know, you try to get things right. The bosses try to get things right. We had a good result, even though it was only 2-1 against Lou and we, uh, during the week in the, in the Champions League. We've got to keep that going, and all of a sudden you get a break for no apparent reason. You, years and years and years ago, it used to be one game only. Now it's FIFA in their greed, and I just don't... I don't, I don't like it. So you're not a big fan. What about you, Peter? Yeah, I like Joe. It's more orientated. I know it's another trophy on the cabinet. We've already won three or four last season, but... It's a big break to have in between games, certainly with Christmas coming up and, you know, we play Boxing Day and New Year's Day in our day. But, I mean, I just think it's another trophy for them. It's a long way to go to play a couple of games. Do you not think it's great for the City fans yeah. to build oh, it's the great. Yeah, Champions of the World yeah. as well as Champions yeah, of Europe? We're not, we're not saying, I'm not saying, but you can still see the Champions of the World if it's one game. You know, it's too, you, you, it used to be South America against European champions. Which, which, to be fair, in world football, it, it is the top two teams. But now it's becoming a, just a, a money-making thing yeah. for FIFA, and I just don't agree with it. You do know they're having a 32-team tournament in 2025, oh, no, no, no. and it's like a new World Cup. But you see, again, people, are, sorry, players are now saying they're getting burnt out, and as Peter just came to, we used to play every, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then it's now coming back to that again. But it's they've got bigger squads, but. To tr- the travel involved in it. Everybody said, oh, they've got these top, you know, private jets and all this stuff. Travel takes it out of you. You don't get your, you don't get your rest, proper rest. You, you, you go into uh, whatever climate it's called, cl- you know, climate and time change. And it does make an effect on your body. 
Wow. You see, you two are not fans then, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> we're, not, we're not fans. <laughs> How are you, Big Joe? But it's great for the fans in that respect, Andy. It is, for, it is great in the, in the fact that if we win another trophy, it's another... another Let's City win it, whatever you whatever your doubts about it. No, no but, well, we always want City to win it, but, you know, it's what, what happens after that. You know, you look at the World Cup that was in this time of the year and what happened to Kevin De Bruyne. We, we're the ones that suffer. The team suffered. FIFA, or they, they don't suffer. And, it, you know, they don't look at the ongoing effect as it on, on the body of the players that are playing today. So that's Peter Barnes and, and Joe Corrigan, not fans of it. Uh, they think it's a complete waste of time, to paraphrase them. What do you think of the Club World Cup? Are you excited by it? Are you glad it's coming? Is it a good time to break after the Crystal Palace game? Or are you you're thinking, I wish this wasn't happening now and, and it just becomes a, a mental excuse, whatever happens out in Saudi Arabia when we go to Everton? What do you think? I was looking a tiny bit more forward to it before we uh, well, before we lost another two points here. Uh, we win the game 3-1 there and you know, one of those sublime Bernardo efforts goes in or... You know, we, 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 we kill the game off with a winner there, which I think we probably probably should have done when we went 2-1. You know, it's a warning sign. You know, if you go 2-1, well, you go 2-1 up against Palace, you know when they bring a goal back in a game like that, a side like that are going to go after you a bit. They're going to chase you a bit. I know I'm linking back to that game, but for this reason alone, that now I'm feeling a bit like, again, it's like going away on an international break. It's like we've left it on a bad note. Um, and obviously I heard you earlier on, Paul, and I think, I think it's you come to play Everton at Goodison. It's not the, the nicest welcome back from a from a Club World Cup either. So I think it's come at the wrong time now. And all right, it, at three o'clock this afternoon, it was coming at the right time. Now it's coming at the wrong time, and that's football for you. Results can determine how and why things are the way they are. On the other hand, though, let's look, look, yeah. look more positive way. City go to Saudi, beat Fluminese in the final of the Club World Cup, come back as the world champions. Surely the confidence then is brimming. We go into the Everton game, Sheffield United, Newcastle, FA Cup, and suddenly City are back. Is we that the positive way of looking it, at it? It is. You feel that, Sam? Yeah, I mean... Like I mean, these results obviously like you, I think can, I don't know if it's like a semi-final that you get put. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, how there's they, a semi-first and then the final. Yeah. So they've got to win two games. To, yeah, to win, win two, it. literally two games. I know it's not against the uh, you know most. I mean, like you're talking about Fluminense. I know a lot of people have heard about them. Uh, uh, I think they're in Brazil, aren't they? The um, yeah, yeah, but um, obviously they the, these teams are not you know European and I think it will be a good test for City as well like like I said earlier about how, how we're going to actually line up against these teams whether we're just going to you know play like Mika or whoever's been called up but I'm not sure who the squad um, like what the squad is to, to fly over there but um, I'm, I'm really intrigued on, on how we line up and, and how we come off the back of hopefully two wins because like you said if it is just City you know, City are back sort of thing and we go and win against Everton and possibly win against Sheffield United and, and then we're on a, on a good run for the new year and I, I hope that is how it is I, I genuinely do but you know Pep's got to talk to the players and like we were talking about left back and, and whatnot. like we, we want these players like Sergio Gomez to, to step up mate possibly and, and, and fill in the role if, if, if Gavardial or Nathan aren't up for it but the, the, what I can't fathom is obviously we were talking about earlier as well how um, last season they were unbelievable like both um, sorry Nathan was unbelievable last season when he when he's he had a great to step player. I mean like, exactly there's no there's no degrading like uh, Nathan at all but 
you know, in in these sorts of games, I feel like, I mean, like we can go back to the fact that we think that it just feels like a loss, and you know, we want these players to stand up. And I think Nathan last year, unbelievable, and we can we can maintain the same mentality and you know um, results throughout the season. We just got to take it game by game, but off the back of the Club World Cup really do hope we get both wins and really do hope we, we win the uh, you know we, we get the, the little badge on on the kit I don't know if that'll make a difference for the players or not you know it's certainly the wheel for the fans I'll be in the club store getting it printed on um, you know and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll be buzzing about it so and I just hope that, that we can go off the back of that and go to Goodison Park and win comfortably because all I've wanted and I've said this to Toby uh, um, he heard earlier uh, for the past few weeks that Obviously, with the results, it's all I want is a clean sheet. All of, that's all I've wanted. I thought, like I said earlier, I come. I was hoping to come on here today and just say, "Oh, City business as usual, clean sheet, three points, easy as you like." City are back. But no, we always go and cock it up and 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 you know. Well, I say always. You know, past few weeks has not just is, has not been good for us. And can see, I think we need to go to the Club World Cup and not concede a goal because it'll help us in the long run and, and coming into the new year. And like I say, I hope we win, obviously, at Everton, but comfortably, like a 3-0. Because, like I said earlier as well, uh, Goodison is just not the easiest place to go to. But if we go and show, you know, we want this and we, we're back, we want to be back in it, I know we've got a game in hand, but we want to win comfortably like, like City usually do. As far as the Club World Cup is concerned, um, City have a semi-final, as we've said, and then, and obviously Fluminese have a final, a semi-final, by the way, but the favourites to be in the final are City against Fluminese, the Brazilian champions who won the equivalent of the Champions League in South America. Um, I've been speaking to a prominent journalist who covers City, but he's a Fluminese fan. He was over there to watch Fluminese, his team, beat Boca Juniors in the final. So who better to give us an insight into what it would be like if City played Fluminese in the final, which isn't decided as we're recording this, to tell us what it's going to be like. So here he is. So my name is Fred Caldeira. I'm a Brazilian reporter, correspondent for TNT Sports in Manchester. And not only do you cover City, but I know you're a Fluminese fan. Yes. And uh, you were there to see them win the trophy, which means that they will be in the World Club Cup finals which City could eventually play them in so tell me a little bit about your team to begin with and what it means to you it means absolutely everything like we we I was there when we lost the first ever final of the South America Champions League that we played 15 years ago uh, it's called Libertadores so we played that we lost and now our second ever final we finally won so it was absolutely mental for us it meant everything and now it's the impossible dream isn't it like for for us to be able to be a part of the club world cup is already a lot i think it's a different take from the europeans maybe um and possibly playing city just just to be able to play against city is something that means a lot to us i think to dream about winning it is a step a bit too far but just to be there uh, it is a very valuable thing for us so the competition that they want to qualify for this is the equivalent of the Champions League yes. in Europe. Yes. So they've had to play teams from, I think it was Boca Juniors. Yeah, in uh, the final. Played, but, you know, teams from all over South America, is that how yeah. it and, and how big a deal is that? Is it like the Champions League? It is, if not even bigger. 
because um, it's it's just something that the whole continent stops to watch as well. Um, you have the biggest teams, every country dreams about it. There is no uh, differences between the, 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 the value of that competition around the country. So Brazilian clubs, Argentinian clubs, Colombian clubs, Equatorian clubs. So for example, in our journey to win the title, in our path to the final, we faced four former champions. So it was a bit like City in the Champions League as well, right, really, like facing Bayern Munich, uh, Inter Milan and other former champions, Real Madrid, we faced Boca Juniors, we faced um, River Plate and other big clubs, historically speak speaking. So, yeah, it was it was really the best thing for us. I, I think there, there are some similarities to what Champions League means to maybe the history of Manchester City and Libertadores for the Fluminense history as well. You are in a unique position because you report on City, yeah. you watch City regularly, the Fluminense fan. Yeah. Wow, I mean, when you look at that game now, it must mean so much to you to begin with, but also it must be very, everybody must be asking you what you think is going to happen. I'm going to ask you as well, what's going to happen if the two of them play each other in the final? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, again, the impossible dream because I would never imagine that I would be able to live that. Like, it's almost the, I don't know, the, 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 the merge of my professional life with my personal life. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to it. I hope, I hope Fluminense does go through the semi-final. I think we have a harder job than City, because City are the best team in the world anyway, and they will be in the final, most likely. Fluminense might face Benzema's team and the money of Saudi, so that would be a problem for us. But if we do go through and we face City, I think it would be a very interesting game for football nowadays, because not only you have Pep and City stars and everything, the positional game, um, Fluminense has an interesting manager that, interestingly enough, is the caretaker manager for the Brazilian national team at the moment at the same time, so his part-time job in club and national team. But what is interesting about him when we look from the perspective of City and Guardiola is that he is the a-positional game. So instead of fixing the game, players with fixed positions, they do change a lot uh, positions. So sometimes we score when our left back is a right winger and our center back is a number 10. So that happens quite often. So it's it would be interesting, two different styles with lots of similarities, but essential differences as well. I mean, I'm old enough to have grown up watching the 1970 World mm. Cup team with Giazzino and Pele and all the rest of them, Rivellino, and that was what made me fall in love with football, I've got mm. to be honest. Oh, nice. And, uh, and now the dream for me is to watch City play the best of Brazil. Mm -hmm. Is the best of Brazil still that beautiful football that that Pele and Chisino play because I've seen different incarnations of Brazilian football yeah. where it's become a lot more pragmatic mm -hmm. and even a bit more cynical. We're a, we're a Fluminense now on the scale of great Brazil football teams. I think uh, to be as great as the 70 team is... Um, or the 82 team. 82 as well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those two are the milestones for us in terms of quality. That's why the pressure is so... Even though the 82 didn't win the World Cup, people have that as a reference of how Brazil should play, how Brazilian players and Brazilian clubs should play. Um, we have been 
you're correct, more pragmatic, more cynical. Um, of course, it doesn't help being in a position in the in the in the in the in the world that uh, clubs from Europe prey on our youngsters too early. So you have I don't know a Phil Foden. If he was born in Fluminense, he would not be playing for Fluminense anymore. In City, at City, he has the time, and no one's going to prey on him. It doesn't help us, but at the same time, Fluminense, even though the quality is absolutely miles away from this. 1970, 1982, there is a bit of a rescue of that at least mentality. Football should be a bit more for fun, Should be a, football should be more entertaining. So there is that, that's why sometimes we score five and concede four. Like it's just a, 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 bit, a bit chaotic, but I think it's a good restoration for, for what Brazilian football, and I agree, should be. In 2025, the World Club Cup is going to be massive. It's going to be a tournament in America. Up until now, it's been this sort of, uh, for English teams anyway, two games. Mm -hmm. And it's been in the middle of the season. Uh, I wonder from a, a Fluminense point of view, from a South American point of view, is this tournament seen differently? Because it's almost, English people almost see it as a friendly or, a, or something just that interrupt yeah. the season. Yeah, like well, the, the the current the future format I don't know. I think if the South American clubs have a slim chance nowadays of winning it, the new format is going to basically shatter those chances because you have more European clubs and more sh chances for them to win it. But the current format, which has been in place for what 10, 20 years, something around that, but even the former International Cup, uh, Intercontinental Cup we value that as what it is the club world cup so we want to be the champions of the world so just to give you an example if fluminense win it which is not going to happen but if you win it uh, there will be a parade of hundreds of thousands of people in rio waiting for the team to arrive from saudi um, if city win it i believe it will be just a timid celebration and celebrating the fact they won everything not this title so for us, this title would mean, yeah, we conquered the world. What do you think is going to happen then? You think City are going to win it by the sounds of it? And yeah. You think they'll play Fluminense in the final? I hope so. I do think that, well, I don't, I don't watch Saudi football. Uh, but of course, when you see that the most likely opponent from, for Fluminense will be a team that has Benzema, that was the Ballon d'Or winner not a long time ago. Kante, you know very well. Fabinho. We know very well. So that does make you think and wonder if we do have actual chances of winning it. But maybe they do have like a local left back that is not as great or a centre back. I don't know if the team is just like three stars and not very good the rest of them. Maybe, maybe we have a chance. I think it's a very, very, very dangerous game. So I would say that it's 50-50 the semi-final and if we face City in the final, it's 99% against one. Final questions about the fans. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to be over there. Uh, I don't know how many City fans are actually going to go to Saudi. Okay. I wonder how many Brazil fans are going to go there. I mean, Brazilian fans are renowned for following their national team all over the world. 
and always put on a very colourful show and we love the samba stuff and all that business. Mm. Will there be thousands of fans out there? Will it be a, a tournament that they'll, they'll not be able to afford to go to? What, what do you expect from the fans? Even though it's extremely expensive for us, um, especially because of the flight tickets, it's a longer fly and etc. Um, what I heard is it's already sold out, the tickets that were available to us for the semi-final. I don't know about the final allocation and tickets selling yet, but uh, that makes me believe that we will be there in the dozens of thousands uh, supporters for sure. Because again, it's an unique opportunity. We've never won a, the Champions League before. Therefore, we've never been in the Club World Cup before like Manchester City. So for us, it's a unique experience and for sure, there'll be the thousands there. Well, enjoy it. You've given us a great insight. Thank you. made you. the best team win. And I hope to see you there. You can't lose, can you? In no. Because of your job and your support. Exactly. I'll be there with, I won't say a divided heart, but I'll be there trying to make the best of it. So that was Fred Caldera uh, giving us the insight if that final happens. So that's it for this podcast. Thanks very much to Toby, uh, to Sam and to Harlan. And we're going to do another podcast on the <clears throat> other side of the, the Everton game. Uh, hopefully Harlan will be with us again for that one. And I've been speaking to Barry Siltman, the former City midfielder from yesteryear. And obviously younger fans won't remember him, but Google him. He was sort of a mophead, a bit, bit of flamboyant character. And these days he's an agent, really fascinating player. Uh, and person as well by the way so make sure you listen to that and I'll also put the video version of that up on the YouTube channel and obviously uh, one I'm out in Saudi Arabia which I'll be in in the next week or so I'll be doing videos from there as well but thanks to to you guys Um, have a good festive don't let it get you down Sam no I'll try not to but thank you for letting me on the podcast it's been a pleasure I hope you'll come on again and Harlan uh, as ever thanks very much for your contribution no problem go and have a good one Um, enjoy the Club World Cup Uh, if you like it if you don't, it's a box ticking exercise. Let's get it take, let's get it on the shelf and then let's leave it. It'd be there. nice to sing, wouldn't it? You know, champions of England, champions of Europe, champions of the world. Hey, against the Brazilian side as well. The usual champions of the world. You know, the, 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 the most ever won Brazil, Ian. So uh, to beat a Brazilian side in the Club World Cup after growing up watching the World Cup in Korea, Japan, watching Brazil... Lift that trophy would be lovely. Uh, 21 years on as well, I think it is, isn't it? So, That'd uh, be a nice Christmas present for everybody. Beautiful. And I should also thank, uh, I mentioned Amar before, uh, Amar Development UK, but Counting King have come on now as secondary sponsors on the podcast, which I'm very appreciative of. They specialise in R&D, research and development tax credits. So if you have a company uh, that can benefit from... Uh, getting grants from the government or reducing your tax bill, I'm telling you, these guys are top of the class. They will do that for you. If you contact them, just look them up, Counting King, and tell them that you came through the Forever Blue podcast. They'll look after you. Trust me, they will look after you. I've seen the evidence of what they do. I cannot recommend them highly enough, and I thank them for their support. So that's it from from the guys here. Um, Not the best way to, to end before Christmas in terms of domestically, we've still got the Club World Cup to look forward to Uh, let's see what happens but uh, even when you watch your team not win you know what lads let's say it together eh? it's still great to be a blue. blue